When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lafondra looking to get side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Elm Park Rules podcast, sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food. Join us on Sunday afternoon on Halloween. Dave, a bit of a scary performance last night, joining us all the way from the US. How are you doing today? Uh, yeah, uh, not not quite a horror show, but definitely not the, uh, the the excitement we wanted yesterday. Yeah, Nick, it wasn't much of a, a treat for Reading. I'm oh, sorry, I had to throw in some Halloween puns today. How are you doing today, Nick? Yeah, not bad. A bit deflated from just the run of run of defeats more than anything. Not not necessarily the performance, just more just losing. A bit of a trick, yeah. Nick, right? No? Okay. Well, we'll we'll get rid of the Halloween puns for the rest of the show. Um, yes, last night, Reading lost 2-0 at home to Bournemouth. Dave, before kickoff, I think there was a lot of negativity, particularly online. People were very, very pessimistic going into that game. Probably rightly so, given that Bournemouth hadn't lost this season at all. Um we went into the game with pretty much the same lineup. We went to, well, we played the same lineup as we played last weekend, just with the one change, push gas coming in for, for Aziz. Um, I'd like to ask whether you kind of expected any other changes, but given the strength in depth and who's on the bench at the minute, it seems like a bit of a redundant question, really. Um, what were your thoughts going into the game? Yeah, I think. You knew it was going to be a struggle, uh, Bournemouth are flying, and uh, we we don't really need to go over our problems because we could just copy and paste them from every other episode that we've done this season. Um, the The lineup was no surprise. Uh, the only only thing that would have changed it probably is someone that was in yesterday getting injured during the week, which was quite likely uh, given our current uh, luck in that area. Um I really didn't think we were going to do much. Um, an unpopular opinion I had earlier in the week was maybe we use this as a chance to rest some of our first teamers and put the kids out and uh, just know that we're not going to win this one anyway. Uh, but that was a little negative, so uh, didn't didn't proceed with that. Nick, again, the bench yesterday was very, very weak. Um, and as Dave said, potentially you could have seen some first team players rested. Uh, maybe it's a bit defeatist potentially um, going in with that mindset. But when you look at our bench outside of Tom Holmes, none of the outfield players have even ever started a championship game before. 
Yeah, um, even Tom Holmes is only 21, a lot more experienced, but he's, he's a young player still himself. So there's no sort of real experience on there at all, uh, other than Raphael, who's a goalkeeper. Um, I mean, the Bournemouth team is very strong and their bench is ridiculously strong as well. You've got, you know, you have the likes of Ryan Christie was on the bench, Jamal Lowe's on the bench, Chris Meppham's on the bench, and uh, Pearson was on the bench coming on. And uh, it's quite frightening when we know if, if if we gain control of this game, they could bring on three players that can change it. If we go behind or pushing for a winner, if, it's, if we're level, we know that with these youngsters... There's not much we can do. We're just very predictable at the moment. The lineup's very predictable. Um, the only thing I can think about doing other than maybe giving a few of the youngsters a chance is, is changing the shape to fit fit the players we've got fit. Um, you know, I, I don't think Tom Delibashiri does anything really out wide. I don't think he supports Yidon very well out there. Um, and just players aren't performing. Uh, so I think we need maybe a change of shape. But I don't know. Josh Lauren hasn't been playing very well as well. Another one. Other than centre backs, maybe playing in the back three, but Panovic just seems pretty. I don't think he's ever changed formation, not not many times, if at all. No, there was a little bit of conversation afterwards about how yesterday might have been set up for us to play three five two or five yeah. five three two, I guess, against Bournemouth. But um, I mean, would you have liked to have seen us play five three two, Nick, yesterday somehow? Yeah, I was thinking about it in the week before the game, just a change, and especially playing Bournemouth, going a bit more, maybe being a bit more solid there, putting Lauren in that back three, because sometimes apparently isn't 100% match fit. Um, plus, he's played well there as well, to be fair, with Dan and Moore. You've got the two full-backs can play wing-back, um, bring Deddy Bashiri back into centre mid with drink water, and then you could play Ovi more central with Swift off of Pushgas and see how that changes things. But I just don't think we're... We just don't look like we've got much going forward. There's other than Swift and Ovi's not in the greatest form. I think we need to change it somehow. Maybe get the wing backs bombing forward and acting as wingers and get balls into the box for players to try and feed on. Maybe Pushcast will perform better with that service. I'm not sure. But it's just too predictable at the moment. Thankfully, I guess the first half wasn't it probably wasn't what most people would have predicted, I think, the first half, especially the first 35, 40 minutes. Um, Reading opened very, very strongly, in all honesty, I think. It was a decent first half an hour or so. Uh, the, the earliest chance came six, seven minutes into the game. Uh, Dave, John Swift and, and George Puskas with some good link-up play. And again, Pushkas just doesn't find the connection at the end of the chance. I know it ended up being offside, but we'll, we'll come on to Pushkas in more detail, I'm sure, at some point. Um, but the, the opening was was strong, and you've got to be quite quite pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what struck me was um, we went for it from the start, which, you know, given everything we've just said, maybe we were going to try and do damage limitation. Looked like we were going to try and get on the board and then maybe see it out. Um, the other thing that surprised me was we were having quite a lot of luck uh, on the wings with um, mostly uh, Barbara Arman coming up the left, but also uh, Yadam coming up the right uh, had a bit of luck as well. We were getting balls in to decent positions. Um, final ball wasn't quite there, but yeah, it, it definitely wasn't what I was expecting for the first, first half hour. It was just a shame we couldn't quite... Uh, capitalize on that shall we say and uh yeah i think pushkas will be very happy that offside flag went up to spare his blushes because uh definitely should have got there the next 
chance he doesn't get the benefit of the offside flag, Nick. Um, this one, it's it's tough. It's tough to defend Pushgas at the minute. I think with some of the chances, and this one was a real real sitter later on in the first half. John Swift on the byline, and he cuts the ball back into the six yard area with a just a ridiculous, filthy Rabona. Uh, and if he'd scored this, I'm fairly certain it would have would have been one of the best assists we've seen for years at Reading. But Pushkas puts it wide and doesn't hit the target. And I mean, what do you think of the, this chance? It, it, does Pushkas Pushkas should work the target here, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took me a long time first of all to get over that Rabona from Swift. I, I couldn't stop talking about that for about 20 minutes. Um, it's just class and the way he just doesn't give up the ball. I think it's Kelly that's trying to see it out and then chopping back inside to fall in before the Rabona. Um, but yeah, uh, I think everyone thought that was going in. It just looked like from behind the goal that was just sailing into the into the far corner, and it, I couldn't believe it went wide. He just sort of gets a toe on it, but he's got to hit the target there. He connects. He's not really, I don't think he's really stretching for it. Um, he just connects with it and it's a, a good ball in. Um, and yeah, I mean, you've got to hit the target. There's no excuse. If the keeper makes a save, it's either because you've stabbed it straight at him or it's a ridiculous save. You, There's no excuses for him. Um, yeah, he's, everyone keeps saying that, you know, I'm trying, I really want him to score, by the way. I, I hate going for push gas, but he doesn't help himself. Everyone says, oh, he doesn't get the service. But when he gets the service, he still hashes everything. He just, he's just not composed. He, I don't know. He's a frustrating player. And he, he's got to, he's got to score there. I wouldn't even say he hit the target, actually. He's got to put that in. We should be one nil up. And as we were saying a minute ago, as Dave was saying, we were well on top. Uh, tempo was so good. It's probably the most I've enjoyed watching Reading for that period of time in God knows when. It's about 30 to 40 minutes of, Really good play. We're well on top. Um, puts that puts that in the net, and I think we'll probably at least get a draw out of that game. So the momentum would have swung, and uh, yeah, uh, you just know when you're missing chances like that that it's going to go against you at some point. Yeah, it's one of those chances where the game just swings on it completely, doesn't it? And I think after that moment, the game hadn't it didn't fall away from us straight away or anything, but it, it certainly felt like a different game after Pushkas misses that chance. Um, before the goal does eventually come at the end of the first half, there is one more moment that I think is worth discussing. And Josh Lauren picks the ball up about 35 yards from goal uh, with Pushkas running in towards the penalty area at this point. And Josh Lauren, Dave, decides to take on a shot from... I would say it was probably 25 yards with the outside of his boot. With Pushgas, uh, having only seen it live, I couldn't tell you for certain, but I think he was unmarked running into the penalty area. Um, this isn't the first time, definitely not the first time, that I've, I've now seen Josh Lauren essentially choose not to pass the ball to Pushgas and, and take on a much more difficult option. And it feels like it's becoming blindly obvious that there's certain players within this team who don't trust, don't want to have lost faith in George Puskas, which seems yeah. like a just a ter- just an awful place to be in. I think that that for me is the biggest sign that it's time to just try something other than Pushkas. Um it's one thing if all the fans have lost faith and and everyone's mad at him. I wouldn't expect the manager to make a change for that reason, but that 
was glaringly obvious. Um, the, the chance he took, again, I think we said it yesterday, John Swift taking that. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, might go in. Josh Lawrence probably not going to score that nine times out of ten. Um, if you watch the, the replay back, it is so, so clear that the ball is on for Pushkas. First of all, the man covering him is on Pushkas's left-hand side. The ball from Laurent would come in on his right-hand side. He's clearly right, uh, prefers his right foot, Pushkas does, because you saw that um, chance that he missed that we just talked about. He swung at it with his right when it probably should have been his left. Um, everything was on to just put him one-on-one with the keeper, one-touch finish, which, you know, for all we say about Pushkas, that is kind of what he can do. Um, so the, the choice to just lash it with the outside of your foot and the obvious uh, end result was what ended up happening. Yeah, there's there's something wrong there. He he doesn't trust Pushkas. And Nick, I mean, if it's obvious to us, it must be obvious within the side as well, which one thing which we've always kind of given Pano a lot of, I guess, credit for, especially on this podcast, is, is team spirit, squad spirit, uh, whatever term you want to use. When you've got players who quite clearly don't want to pass to each other and don't trust each other, it feels like that spirit is maybe not quite all it seems. Yeah, um, it's worrying, isn't it? And I think, like we were just touching on, it's not the first time somebody hasn't wanted to pass to Puskas by, by just what it seems like when the game's going and he's in acres of space. There's a chance a few weeks ago where Swift, um, it might have been Blackburn actually last weekend, where Swift could have laid it off to him in a good position just inside the area and he took too long, but closed down and we lost the ball. Um, but but people just don't seem to want to pass to him. And the, the frustrating thing is with Pushkas, and the crazy thing is with it, it was probably one of his better performances yesterday. And that's worrying because it's still not good enough. It's still not great. He's still missing chances. His general play's improving, I guess. But he was, I haven't seen his chance back from Laurent, but um, I recall it very well. Uh, he took too many touches with it before his shot. Pushkas looked like he was in acres of space. And if he plays that straight in, he, as Dave said, he's in for a one-touch finish. Um, whether he would have scored, who knows. But that was the better chance. I don't know why he took the shot on, uh, other than there's some sort of trust issue, or he just saw uh, like glory, just 25-yard glory. I think he scored against Bournemouth last season, didn't he? So maybe he was just trying to bring back the memories of another goal. Um, but he, I don't think he scored for us this season, Lauren, off the top of my head. And... He's not, I think he's capable of chipping in in the season, but he's not like Deli Bashiru or Swift or even Ajara to an extent. He's not the best at shooting. Um, but yeah, the trust issue, like like you said, it's uh, it's not good. Um, there's clearly, I'm sure we'll go into this later with the Sars, but there's clearly a trust issue from Panovic with the youngsters. Um, you know, it seems pointless bringing Clark on for five minutes. What, what's he expected to do? What's the point? Of take, you might as well take off someone you want to rest for five minutes, not push gas. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know what he's going to do because I can't see him starting Clark. If he's going to start Clark, he would have brought him on much earlier yesterday. So I, I just don't know. Um, there's clearly some issues there. But despite that, it seems like he's nearly undroppable unless Hoyle gets fit or even Aziz. Yeah, I think you're right. If Clark was going to start, we either would have seen him early yesterday or we would have seen him start by this point. It's it's unrealistic, I think, to keep calling for Clark to start when it, it's the signs are there that it's probably not just it's, it's just not going to happen, is it? 
it's the same as um, last year, Melvin Lambert. It was exactly the same. The only difference is he is bringing clock on, um, but it's very short spells. It's and, minutes here and there, not yeah. not for not to try and yeah. change the game. It's it's just a you know a desperate desperation play at the end of games. Before half time, we do end up conceding. Uh, first goal comes from a corner. The corner itself will get onto in a second but a terrible piece of officiating here this drove me absolutely ballistic yesterday Danny Drinkwater has taken a pretty awful touch outside the area Dave and the ball rolls towards the touchline I'm pretty much in line with it where I am in the stadium and I don't think it went out and I'm much closer than the linesman the linesman has put his flag straight up uh and He's 60 yards away and he's got to just have guessed from there and essentially has changed the game because we've gone on to concede from the corner. Just give me give me a minute, Dave, on, on the performance of, of the referee yesterday and, and the yeah. two officials, to be honest. I'll be honest, I didn't like him before and I don't like him after for the referee. Um, he's never done well for us. Um, and in fact, he's done particularly poorly for us. He gets a pass on this particular incident because he didn't give it. He was closer and he didn't think it went out and he didn't immediately give that corner. Looked across at his assistant who had immediately flagged and then that was when the corner was given. Uh, the assistant that gave the corner from, you know, BioVision from the other side of the stadium uh, also spent the second half uh, just giving Swift offside for hairline offsides as well. So he was he was on one. So I didn't like him either. Um, it, it wasn't a particularly well-officiated game. Um, I don't know that it was all against us. I could imagine two or three instances where, where Bournemouth were a bit unpleased with him as well. Displeased, I should say, uh, with him too. But yeah, I... I, I think it's another thing we could copy paste from from multiple episodes. Like the, the officiating in the championship is nowhere near the level that the, the league itself is at. Yeah, it's a name that I'm definitely going to look out for going forwards, uh, Langford, because it's. I think we had him last season as well at Wednesday. Yeah, yeah he didn't, didn't give us that penalty. It was the, the, yeah, it was, it was a three box. penalties game for anybody who can't remember it, where we should have had multiple penalties and we ended up drawing away at Hillsborough last year. He's. Uh, He's a disgrace, honestly. Oh, it's, it's not even just like you said, it's that performance, this performance, and wrestling championship aren't good, but he's by far the worst. He's, he's honestly a disgrace. And, you know, I, I don't want to just blame the referee for the result, but he's really bad. That, that pretty much sums it up. Oliver Langford, bad. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll watch out for him coming up later this season because we're bound to get him again. Yeah. And we're bound to end up having some kind of terrible. Terrible moment in that game as well with him. Um, what I'm going to fear fully is if we are in a relegation fight towards the end of the season and there's a crucial game and we get him, we might as well just say we're down. Like, yeah, so I can't, I can't imagine us having to face someone against someone like Derby or Hull later on in the season when we have to win a game and we get him. Yeah, be horrendous. Um, obviously, you know, Reading still had the opportunity to defend the corner, Nick. Um, they don't. Let's be honest, they don't defend yeah. the corner in any way whatsoever. Um, how do you let Gary Cahill get away with this? He's oh, massive. He's the biggest player on the field. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's really bad. Uh, I've watched this back a few times this morning, actually, and 
he's not marked. They seem to all be sort of zonal marking, but sort of have someone covered, apart from Cahill, who's just around the penalty spot, being looked at, but no one's on him. And I think it he goes around to the back post where Scott Dan is, and it's just um, you can't. I don't think you can blame an individual because I don't know who's supposed to pick him up or what the you know I don't know what the tactic is on it. I'm not sure, but it's just disgraceful to not have Gary Cahill covered at all. Uh, he's just running to the back post, and a lot of the goals we've conceded this season from um, set pieces, I think they're free kicks and long throws. It's because it's gone to the back post and someone's headed it across the goal to then get nodded in by someone else. Solanke and this part. But Gary Cahill, he's he's a step up. He's like them signing Scott Dan, but a step up. It's, they've done the same thing as us, but a, a higher level. It's a great signing. He's 35. I thought he was older. He's, he's not as old as I thought. Uh, he's going to be massive for them in terms of getting promoted this season, which I, I think they're definitely going to go up, aren't they, in top two? Um but yeah, who's who's marking Gary Cahill? He just runs round from the midfield, pulls off uh, the middle of the box, sorry, pulls off uh, back post, headed it across goal, connects brilliantly with it as well, but very easy. And Solanke's just there. No one's on Solanke either, and it's just terrible. And all that hard work in the first half, a good performance, an enjoyable performance to some extent, minus the goals. Um, and it's just gone down the, gone down the drain. Yeah, I think it's Laurent who's meant to be on on Solanke, but honestly, I couldn't tell you for certain uh, because it's it, it it's very messy, Dave. And, and yeah. set pieces of just I know this is only the first corner we've conceded uh, this season, but set pieces are just a nightmare this year, and it's time and time and time again. Yeah, I think it's the same routine as well, which makes it, it is. Yeah. That's that's the problem. It we're not learning from our mistakes. And I think, you know, some, some people are very vocal about, oh, zonal marking's a bad choice or whatever it may be. I think what bothers me about the goal yesterday were twofold. First of all, to let someone have a free header is a crime. To let two people in a row have a free header is just unforgivable. But then if you watch the slow-mo replay of the goal, as the ball comes to Cahill and he comes in, you see Scott Dan almost be like, shocked like he like he reacts he's like oh Cahill's here and then he runs and then you see as Solanke uh, heads the ball Josh Laurent with the same response like oh there he is as if both of them were completely unaware that there was a player near them and that to me says that we're coming back to that fatigue tiredness mental tiredness statement as well um I think that's that's the underlying problem if we if we have a fully fit squad and we can rotate people I think everyone's sharper, and that to me is more of a more of a concern right now. Yeah, if you can rotate, then you're definitely at least you're able to, you know, remove some of that mental fatigue, um, and then just hopefully you have enough of rotation in there that you can you can minimise some of these errors, which just seem like switch offs almost or lack of concentration. Uh, so half time, yeah, one nil to Bournemouth at half time, and to be honest, the last major Reading chance comes pretty early on. I think it's five or six minutes into the second half. Another great piece of play by John Swift, uh, running down the the touchline on the right hand side, Nick, and he manages to escape a defender before crossing the ball in, and it kind of bounces around in the area off Ajara, who doesn't win the header, and the Bournemouth player doesn't manage to clear it. It falls five, six yards out to George Puskas. And he's he's not got control of the ball at this point, but 
he manages to scoop the ball over the bar. Yeah, it was up the other end from me. I haven't seen this back. Um, but from where I was, it was sort of like, surely he's just going to poke this in from, from what you can see up the other end of the pitch. He's just going to just put it in. But at the same time, you're sitting there, I'm talking to the, the lad next to me. And I just said to him, I wasn't even sort of excited. I, you just know it's pushcast so until it hits the net. I'm not going to react and get too like, off my seat. You know, there's a big chance here because I'm just so, I don't know, just, I'm just not confident in him at all. And I know it's Pushkas, he's there. Um, but yeah, somehow he misses. I'm, I'm not sure we got the corner from it. So, yeah, yeah. when I was watching through that um, in real time, I thought he just missed it. And then in the replay, it does look like the defender gets there and pokes pokes it up and over. So yeah. it makes sense for the corner. But I think the uh, the thing there is but the defender had time to get to it. And that is a concern. Like that should have just been buried, you know? Yeah, he's too slow at taking chances, isn't he? He takes too yeah. long on the ball, gets out of his feet. Um, and then just, uh, that doesn't help with him taking one of his chances. If he gets a goal, maybe he'll kick on a bit, but uh-huh. oh, just desperate for him to score. Um, it seems to be what time. he needs. Like a, a lot of what he's doing does seem to come down to, and we've said it before, but like a lack of confidence. So there's a lack of confidence in him but there's also a lack of confidence from him. And, and it seems like, you know, the extra touches, they're not just being clinical and, and, and stabbing something away. It all kind of falls together as, uh, as, as down to that lack of confidence. Yeah. Lovely technical error there, but I am back. Um, so, yeah, that chance, big miss. And after that, Reading didn't really have a chance, Dave. Um and the second goal is another error, another Danny Drinkwater mistouch, really. Uh, I mean, Danny Drinkwater, what, what did you think of his overall performance yesterday? Uh, for a player that I think has been a class above for us since he's come in and a, and a real um, a real boost to have had him, I think yesterday was probably um, maybe not his worst but one of his uh one he won't remember fondly uh i think that he looked a little tired uh his touch was a little off after so much of uh what he's done since he's come in has been the quality of his touch and uh here he just gets caught looking for something ahead we i tweeted about this yesterday and said our oh, drink water mistake and and someone replied with well there's no movement ahead of him who who was like he had no one to hit so he had to he all he could have done is just pump it long and while i think that's a valid point people should have been moving and everything else that again comes down to it like you get caught in in indecision looking ahead like oh who am i going to pass to no one's moving and then you get the ball taken off of you um it's it it wasn't wasn't great from from drink water yesterday and drink water loses the ball uh what 35 yards from goal and Nick Jamalo has just come onto the field by this point I think he's been on maybe five minutes or so um definitely had him in on long and Liam Moore kind of stands him up just inside the area and it's a good finish from Jamalo let's not take it away from him uh he does curl it into the bottom corner a bit should Liam Moore be going out to meet him there I'm not too sure. Um, when he came on, I feared the worst. I just had a feeling he was going to score. I think he tore us apart the Wigan a few years ago. And uh, I'm not sure if he, if he played against us last year for Swansea too. And he's he's 
we had, I think, Yidom had Jaden Anthony in his pocket for most of the game. And um, Jamal Lowe's a bit different. He's not a direct winger. He's a wide forward kind of type. And he's a threat. Um, and when we were tiring, it's the perfect sub when you think about it for them to bring on. Um, yeah, I mean, drink water, like we were saying, giving that ball away is really sloppy. He was too slow. But he had Yidom free to his right. Uh, and he was just, didn't know, just too slow to dealing with it. Um, and he, he sells, I think he sells more down the river with that pass and well, losing the ball even. Um, more, what more did is what he does. He just tries to get his body in front of the, the player. He maybe should give him an angle to have to go wider and not bend the ball into the far corner. Uh, it's, an, it's a good finish, but it's an easy finish because he's got a lot of space to aim at. If he hits the, hits the corner, Southwark's got no chance, uh, which he did. Um, yeah, I'm not too much too sure what much more we could have done, really. I don't really want to blame Liam Moore for that. Um, yeah, he's just been sold down the river a bit by Drinkwater, unfortunately. And as we were saying, he's been great for us. And to sort of be at fault for both goals is just a big shame to see the guy with the most quality and the most experience on the pitch be the one that does that and lets the team down. And, you know, I'm sure he'll, he'll play a part in us getting wins as the season goes on, but it's just, yeah, disappointing to see Drink Water be the one to to give that ball away so cheaply. I mean, we didn't really come up with any any kind of response after this second goal. And I would love to sit here and discuss the second half for another half an hour, but genuinely, I don't think anything happened up until about the 80th minute when there was some kind of fight in Y25, Y26. Can't really give you many details despite standing near it. Don't know what went on, but it was um, quite amusing to watch that rather than what was happening on the field because nothing was happening until 82 minutes. And we can finally get on to this, the discussion, uh, Dave, around why doesn't Panovic make any subs? <laughs> we waited as long in this podcast to talk about it as Panovic took in the game to make one. Um <laughs> Yeah, this was a very strange one. Uh, when the second goal went in, definitely some heads went down and the already apparent tiredness became just so obvious. Uh, everyone was was leggy all over the pitch. Just make a change. We're 2-0 down. We're probably not going to come back from 2-0 down against a team that hasn't uh, lost all season, right? Maybe we will. Don't want to be defeatist, but we probably won't. So where's the harm? Just get three first choice players off, three young lads on, and and see what happens. Um, and he doesn't. And he holds on. And he holds on. And ultimately, what six minutes left? I think it was. We've got Pushkas goes off, and and Clark comes on. And it's like. What, what's his thinking here? Like a like a five minute hat trick from the eighteen year old to win the game? It, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I I, I feel for Panovic, like the position he's in. I I do think that a lot of our, our woes are outside of his hands. But the one remaining question that I don't think we've had answered is where he stands on on these substitutions and and why it takes so long to just try something different. Nick, one thing that Panovic mentioned after the game was around uh, respect and I can't remember the exact quote, but I'm going to go respect was the main word he was looking for. Respect and trust, something along these lines. 
from the fan base towards the 11 fit players that he does have available to him. Now, we've seen Reading managers in the past come out and kind of... I I don't want to call Panovic... I don't want to say he's deriding the fans here, but he's maybe calling them out slightly. Um, What what are your thoughts as to to Panovic kind of calling out the fans? Do you think it's a fair comment? Do, Do you think he's kind of like got it on the nose or, or do you reckon he's sort of the beginning of the end for him once he does that? Um, I, I think obviously shouldn't blame the fans, but um, I mean, he hasn't got much to play with at the moment. So I understand his frustrations. There's not really many options there for him at all. Um, I think he's actually just trying to protect the players possibly more than anything. Um, but you know, you, you shouldn't really have a dig at the fans who are there forever. You know, whereas a manager is there, a lot of managers aren't at Reading anyway, aren't there for more than a year um, in, in this current day and age. And the players, a lot of them are out of contracts in the summer, so they're not even going to be here anyway. I can't see many of them staying. Um, I wouldn't say it's the beginning of the end for him. Uh, I'd be thinking it's extremely harsh to sack him, although I was probably keen for him to go after Huddersfield. I uh, just don't think he's what well, I don't think another manager is going to make any difference anyway. What we've got available is an injury crisis. We can't help if he was making poor tactical decisions with options. I think you could say, okay, get rid of him now. But he's not. He's he's got no options, and I think he's got to start using some of the youngsters off the bench because these eleven players can't play ninety minutes. They're tiring, and it's costing us um, results. Uh, there's no way back into the game. I think even at one 0 really, but two 0 definitely. But it's done. Um, and he's got two options to either take off players and rest them and just give a few youngsters a run out for 15, 20 minutes, even 10 minutes, or he takes a gamble. I mean, look at Bournemouth with Kilkenny, um, Anthony and um, Zamora. They were thrown in with injuries at the start of the season and they've excelled. And who would have thought that? No one had heard of them outside of Bournemouth at the start of the season. Look at them. They were playing great. Um Let's see Kamara get a run. Let's see Clark get more minutes. Maybe he have had him and get some more minutes. Uh, I saw it. Ashcroft looked ready to come on at one point yesterday and just didn't. He just looked like he was about to bring him on. He didn't come on. So maybe that was an injury thing. I'm not sure. But just give these guys a run out. And yeah, they're obviously not ready. But we were 2-0 down. Just rest some of our players. Rest drink water. It's knackered. You know, don't take push guess off for Clark. What's the point of that? You know? Maybe rest Swift, probably the one player that might get you back into the game. But if he gets injured, we're screwed. So, yeah, he's got to do more. So I don't know why he's having to dig at the fans because he's, he's, they're not the best options, but just have a go. You never know. They might surprise everyone, including himself. And let's be honest, even if they don't surprise everybody, even if they come out, they don't really do anything on the field. You're just running the, you're running the chances down. Of, of an injury happening to, to one of the players who are meant to be starting every week when you've only got 11 fit players. Um, Especially uh, if you look like long-term planning, like we, we've got another game Tuesday, another game yeah. Saturday. Now there's no easy games in the championship, but there's more chance we'll get something from those than against Bournemouth uh, on paper, at least. And, you know, we had the no midweek last week. So a week of recovery, either start these guys or, you know, bring them on, 60 minutes or something and and just give that little bit of recharge extra before Tuesday for the ones that perhaps could influence a game that we might be a little bit more in. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we're, we're going to be relying again on the same eleven players who started on on um, Saturday on on Tuesday night when we go to Millwall. Dave Millwall away, Birmingham away this week. We've obviously lost the last is it last three now? I think mm-hmm. last three, isn't it? What kind of prediction points total wise would you uh, put us at for this week? That's a tough one. I know. There can't be any defeats. Let's put it that way. We cannot lose either of those games uh, for me to be happy. Um, I think that Millwall away just has a draw written all over it for me. Um, I'm I'm going to go one-one uh, for for that one. Birmingham away, it's a tricky one to call, but you, you just feel like you just got to go for it. And I think we, you know, if we turn up, we play like we can. Um, rumors of Halilovic maybe being close to coming back who knows just go for it and and I think we can squeeze a win there uh, but it'll be low scoring so I'm going to go one nil for a uh, Reading win uh, up at Birmingham. Nick Millwall away on Tuesday what are your yeah. thoughts? Uh, tough game tied legs I think it's going to play its part we can just keep it tight uh, I'd take a, take a point uh, hopefully we can snatch a win, but it'd be a low-scoring one, I think. Maybe a one-nil win or one-all. Um, but yeah, like Dave said, we can't afford to lose these games. Now we we need to pick up at least two draws just to stop the the rot a bit. Um, but I'd like to think we can get four points, but it'd be a bit of a smash and grab, maybe a bit like Cardiff, maybe in terms of getting these results, just to get to the international break and hopefully we can get some bodies back after that. I'm not sure, but. We can get four points. That'd be great. That'd really pick our season back up, and yeah, damage limitation. I think to an extent, the next two games. Well, fingers crossed it isn't just damage limitation, and we do have some points to talk about on the podcast next weekend and in midweek. So we will be back after the Millwall game, which is Tuesday night, um, with a review. Matt Williamson will be back late next week with a preview of the Birmingham City match and then we will be back next weekend after that as well so join us then thank you everybody for listening cheers